podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stefan Normantis. Hi, this is Stefan Normantis. Thank you for listening to Artisans Who Wholesale. I am so excited to have our guest on today. Today, we are going to cover sales reps. I have heard so many questions asking about how do you get a good rep? How does it work? That I really wanted to do an episode that gets into some of the nuts and bolts of repping a line. And as I was thinking about the topic, I knew exactly who I wanted on the show. I have uh, a tremendous amount of respect for her work ethic and the way that she manages her clients in business. She is my go-to for trusted answers on this one. So we've got Jane Hughes of Hughes & Company, and she has been an independent sales rep for 26 years. So she's seen a lot of stuff. She knows her stuff. She's super nice, and she'll be answering lots of questions about the repping world. So I can't wait to get into this. So welcome, Jane. Thank you, Stepa. I'm happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about your uh, about yourself and your business. So basically, we started our business, pretty much my husband started in the late 80s. He was a rep for a larger rep group in Massachusetts. We were living in Western Mass, and he was covering that part of the state and all of Vermont. And he was up in Vermont probably three days out of five days during the week. As a mother with three young children running around, we didn't get to see him much. And we finally decided (laughs) to pull up our our stakes and take the show up to Vermont. So we found um, a 25-acre farm, and we pretty much never looked back. We've been here since 1994. Wow. Was that the impetus to start the business on your own as far as to collaborate? Was that how it really came together? It, it, it was. You know, my husband was really a top-notch sales rep for this company. And at the end of the year, he said, you know, I've done a real lot in sales this year. And mm-hmm. I think we could just do that ourselves. You know, instead mm-hmm. of lining someone else's pockets, we have three young children to take care of. Uh, mm-hmm. So we took the plunge. It was really scary because the rep business, as you probably know, is strictly commission only. There's no Mm -hmm. base pay. There's no benefits. So we took a big leap of faith and we started Hughes and Company in 1994. And once we moved to Vermont, it it really just took off and he connected with other Vermont companies, one of which our first one, uh, we are still with them today. Wow. We've, we've seen marriages with them. We've seen babies, graduations, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a long-term plan and we've, we've stuck with it. And now we have our daughter who's the next generation who's been working with us as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'm really excited to get into uh, what a rep actually does, because there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, about like, how does it work and, and all that. So if we can start from the basic, what does a rep exactly do and what don't they do for an artisan? Right. Like you said, there are a lot of misconceptions. Reps are not distributors. I think a lot of artisans think that we're going to load up the back of our car with their pottery or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and drive around and sell it. And that's not what we do. A good sales rep really is a partner with the artisan to help their business grow. So what we do is we gather samples from them, their products. 
we call them samples to show Mm -hmm. to our customers. And we take the samples, our bag of samples on the road, and we show them to other store owners. We let the store owners actually, you know, see them, feel them, touch them, sometimes smell them if it's (laughs) a candle or skincare or something. And we write up orders for the products and we send the order to the artisan and the artisan ships the order to the stores. So we're really kind of a, you know, partnering with the artisan to help them expand their business. And what value does a rep provide? Why would somebody take that on? The biggest value, and I always tell an artisan this, is if they're in the middle of either packing an order or working on an order and the phone rings, and nowadays, you know, we usually can see who's calling. So they know it's it's a store calling for an order, probably. They have to stop what they're doing, put everything down, answer the call. And sometimes the call could be five minutes, but sometimes it could be a half an hour. (laughs) So I I think the biggest value that we give the artisans is their time. Mm -hmm. Their time, they do not have to spend any time or they want to spend a little, that's fine. But um, the majority of their time, they can dedicate to what they're good at, which is producing their product, getting it to their customers, and we take care of all the sales. I have one vendor that hates answering the phone (laughs) and (laughs) she just likes to get her work done and Mm -hmm. and stay on track. So I think we really do provide the value of letting the artisan have their time to get their work done. So it's, it's, you know, kind of, they wear so many hats when, Mm -hmm. when you're a small business owner that we take one of those hats for them and try to lighten their load a little bit. That's terrific. Now, what do they have to give up? when they work with a rep? Some people really, like I said, one vendor that I have does not like sales at all. Mm -hmm. She does not like doing trade shows. She (laughs) doesn't like talking to people. (laughs) She she just wants to concentrate on making. So, you know, they might give up that part of it, but Mm -hmm. I still have some customers that say, you know, I have an account up in Bar Harbor. She's my friend. I've been with her for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I say, that's fine. You continue working with her. Yeah. What we really do is try to develop. And what we bring with us is our pocket full of our customers Mm -hmm. that they may not know down in Stamford, Connecticut or something. Sure. Uh, So that's what we do is really help to build um, new, a new customer base for them. Terrific. And does it work as far as territories? How do those geographic, how how does that actually work? That's a good question. It it should work as a territory. (laughs) My husband, my daughter and I, the three of us, we cover all of New England. So we've split it up and I actually cover New Hampshire and Maine. Mm -hmm. So for the vendor, they know that I'm going to be seeing customers in those states and take care of that for them. So I do have one vendor that has no territory boundaries. Hmm. It It is not pretty. Yeah. It can get very, very confusing if there's no territory boundaries. And it's a large company and they have lots of sales reps. Mm-hmm. So their philosophy is a little bit different. But what does work best is if you can have territory boundaries sure. for a rep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then uh, how does it work financially and, you know, in general terms, as far as rep to rep, how financially does it work for that, you know, your effort to really be a sales arm? Right. 
it is just strictly commission that we're paid, which a lot of artisans actually don't know that. Mm -hmm. I've had people ask me, do I give you a base salary? You know, and I think it can be really scary for artisans Mm because if they think they're taking on an employee and they need to give them benefits and and that's not the case, Mm -hmm. we are independent sales reps. We strictly are paid by commission. So once I take an order, I actually send it, uh, email it to the vendor. Then she would fill it, ship the order, and then say it's March 15th that the order gets to the customer. Mm -hmm. The customer then pays her. And then about 30 days to 40 days later, that's when I would get paid. We usually get paid once once a month from a vendor. Mm -hmm. Some vendors like to split it up and do it twice a month whatever's easier for their bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, it's just strictly commissioned. So the artisan is not putting a lot on the line financially, mm-hmm. like laying out a salary or something like that, like to somebody to do marketing. Mm-hmm. It's just strictly commissioned. So they've already made their money and, you know, we just get paid by commission. Terrific. And in general terms, what level, what percentage of commission is standard for the rep industry? What does it range across the board? Yeah, the, the standard, I think, you know, for the gift industry. So the gift industry is a little bit different than the food industry. The gift industry would be probably 15 to 20 percent commission it really depends on the profit that that artisan is making on a product. Mm-hmm. You know, some some are more profitable than others, but I would say 15% mm-hmm. is kind of the standard. And then in the food industry, that's a little different. That would be like 10 to 12% mm-hmm. commission. Great. What other factors go into that uh, that number for, uh, you know, for a rep as they're considering working with an artisan? What is that, you know, when they're trying to build that, you know, structure or build the package? What are they looking at? Is it just profitability or of the particular product? Is it a commission that can vary based on different lines that a uh, artisan has or is it sort of yes, piece by piece? It can. I actually... I do have one vendor, you know, some of the products are 15% and some are a little bit higher depending on they have some fair trade products. Mm-hmm. So there's different structures mm-hmm. and we work with, you know, I, I had one vendor say, I really just can't do 15%, yeah. but I really love you guys <laughs> and I want you to come on board. So we negotiated with mm-hmm. them and it was a little bit less than that, but you know, that was six or seven years ago, and we're still with yeah. them. So you have to look at the big picture. And I think a lot of people don't look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. And I think artisans sometimes can be short-sighted and not think 10 or 15 years down the road, mm-hmm. because gaining, you know, one or two new accounts, if you have that account with you, and they are constantly ordering from you every two or three months, and they've been with you for 10 years, that's, you know, some steady income. So I think that's kind of what we bring to the table is we bring customers that we know are trustworthy. They pay their <laughs> bills. <laughs> Very important. Um, which, can, which, yeah, and it can be something that an artisan, if they don't know, you know, new customers, they're not yeah. sure who's going to pay their bills and who it. Fortunately, that's the society we live in, but we have kind of, you know, taken care of that because we've been with some customers for so many years, 
that we know who's trustworthy. And that's a big bonus too, I think. Sure. And I think, Jane, you provide that value on both sides because you know, taking a look as you bring on an artisan, are they going to be able to deliver? Are they, are they ready with their product to, you know, to be trusted to some of your accounts? Exactly. And some people, you know, that we meet, they just, they're really just not ready for wholesale. And unfortunately, you know, I've had to sit, (laughs) sit down and have that conversation with them. And say, I think you're more geared to retail Mm -hmm. farmers markets Mm -hmm. or that kind of thing, because taking that step to wholesale is a whole nother wax. It really, they have to be ready for that. And it's, it can be a challenge if, especially if it's like a, a one person Mm -hmm. business that can be a huge huge challenge. If somebody is considering uh, that, all right, I'm feeling like I, you know, I might need some help on the sales or expanding my account base. uh, What questions should they be asking? I think if they're asking themselves, am I ready to have a rep or take that next step? Basically, most of them just feel overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. you know, with because they're doing everything. They're doing the production, they're doing marketing and sales. So if they're starting to feel overwhelmed, then then they really probably need to look at having mm-hmm. a rep because if the sales are taking up a huge chunk of their day, they need to rein it in and be able to get back to what what they're good at and take care of making products. So I think basically asking a rep, I would say if they're looking for a rep, ask them, number one, are they a road rep? There are so many people that just sit in an office nowadays <laughs> and <laughs> they don't, they're not out yeah. on the road. Like we actually call, call ourselves road warriors. <laughs> um, we put 35 to 45,000 miles a year um, on wow. our cars. And yeah, we're, we're up. And especially for me taking over Maine a few years ago, oh um, you know, up in Bar mm-hmm. Harbor and, I actually made the mistake one time of telling a customer I would deliver a display. Mm-hmm. Be nice. <laughs> but I forgot to ask where she lived <gasps> in Maine. Oh, no. <laughs> she was seven hours from oh, my door. My she lived up in, up yeah. in Quebec. But it was, a, it was a great trip. I'll never forget <laughs> it. And I've become friends with the owner. So it, it, it's worked yeah. out great. But yeah, so number one, they really have to be on the road because, like I said, customers want to feel the products. They want to see the products. If they're sitting on the other side of a computer, they're not going to get that tactile feeling mm-hmm. of a product. They, they're making the decision to spend money to bring this product into their store. They want to see yeah. the product. So you want to get a rep that is going to be out there seeing customers. And then I think the second question you would ask a rep, do you attend trade shows? Cause I do know some reps that really don't mm-hmm. do shows <laughs> and. That is so key, as you know, <laughs> in, in building any business, any new business, you, you have to yeah. be out there at trade shows and, and you have to look at it as a form mm-hmm. of advertising too. We have just met the greatest people, especially through New England Made. It's been a long partnership for us and we, we couldn't do our business without trade shows. So I have to say that's super important. And then the third question I would ask, how long have you been a sales rep? Because a seasoned sales rep definitely is going to bring a lot of customers to the table. Those could be people that an artisan may mm-hmm. never meet in their 
lifetime of their business. So I think it's huge to have someone that has experience and knows what their customers are also looking for in the market. Those are great questions. How can somebody be a good client to a rep? How can you kind of do, you know, on the other <laughs> side, what's best practices? Because, you know, sometimes people just don't realize, you know, I could really make this a lot easier on the other side. And uh, if I'm easy to work with, so... um you know, what's good and what's not cool. Right. I actually laughed when I read this. I said, oh, I wish I could just tell all of my vendors this. <laughs> Basically, on both sides, a good vendor or artisan keeps their mm-hmm. promises. You know, they, they ship orders on time. The orders arrive safely. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. So they're, they're mm-hmm. packed well. <laughs> um, and just please, please, please send out the rest oh. mission on the day of the month. <laughs> You, you say you will, <laughs> because it's really not cool to wait weeks and weeks yeah. to get paid. And I think what people don't see is that we've put, we filled up our cars mm-hmm. with gas. We've driven two and a half, three hours to see a client. We've gotten the orders and then we need to yeah. be paid for our work. Generally, we've been really lucky. We have some awesome, awesome vendors that we work with. Some of them are like clockwork. Mm-hmm. You know, the day of the month, that check is going to be in your mailbox. So that's that's just a basic, you know, I think it's kind yeah. of a no-brainer. But, you know, sometimes the rep can be yeah. last on the yeah. list. So <laughs> I, I that's a huge that's thing. That's great. Yeah. No, and, you know, when you've made all the outlay, you know, do you have to wait for your money a long, you know, 35, 45 mm-hmm. days, then, you know, that's a long time after right. a tank of gas. Now, as far yeah. as length of relationships are, you know, you is a rep a forever thing? Do you set up a, uh, a contract for a specific amount of time? Do you sort of give it a probation time? We have done all of the above. Um, with a product that we maybe are not mm-hmm. really sure of, we might do a probationary six months to a year to make sure it works right. for both sides. That doesn't happen very often, mm-hmm. you know, once in a while. But I would say, you know, we have a sock company that we have been with uh, since they, pre- almost day one, they they had one mm-hmm. sock design and we started with them and that was 26 years ago. So many of our vendors, yeah. it's long-term. Um, we've been with them a long, long time. But, you know, as with anything, if it, if it's just not working out, we do have a contract that we, you know, and that's, I think I forgot to mention that earlier. Always mm. have a contract with anybody that Great. you're working yeah. with in business. I mean, years ago, mm. it was the handshake. But nowadays, I think everybody needs to see yeah. everything in black and white. And it's everything's right there on the table. The expectations that, you know, need to be met are on the table. But we do put a clause, a 30-day clause, that if it's just not working out, either party has 30 days, you know, to terminate. And that in that 30 days, you can kind of yeah. wrap up the business for that vendor, and then you move on. And definitely, it, it happens. And it, sometimes it's just not the right fit, or it might not be the right product for the clientele mm-hmm. that we already have. That's what that's all about. And say there's an artisan and they have brought on a rep and either the orders aren't coming in in a way that was 
discussed or presented or expected. What do they, you know, what's the first step mm-hmm. on that? Is it, do you switch? Do you have that conversation? How do you, uh, how would somebody proceed if they feel in their gut, like, you know what, something's not happening that should be? You know, what a, an artisan might want to say to a rep is through a phone call or even an email, how are things going? Do you have all the samples, sales tools that you need? Is there anything I can get you? to help increase sales. That is generally the first step so that at least, you know, you can kind of give, put those signals out there to the, to the rep that you're, you're wanting more sales coming along. And if they're not coming along, the rep has to decide, Oh, I have to get on this. I really have to put more effort. If it's something that is just not working it, it will proceed from there. But that would be the first thing that a, an artisan should do is just kind of say, how are things going? Can I help you? Yeah. Do you need anything? And and then, you know, I think that's kind mm-hmm. of giving fair warning. And then after another month or two, if mm-hmm. nothing has improved, then they might want to have that discussion that, you know, I think this yeah. just isn't really working out. Mm-hmm. No hard feelings, but yeah. it's it's business in the long run. And sometimes it's just not a fit, as you mentioned, whether it's the type of customer base that the rep has or the product just, you know, through the best of intentions, just isn't quite the match. Exactly. What do you Mm -hmm. wish, Jane, that uh, clients knew about the repping business, aside from that you takes a long time to get paid? (laughs) Well, I think for myself, I want them to know that I promote their products like they're my own. You know, I have a a deep commitment to helping others grow their business. I get excited when I (laughs) see, you know, businesses growing and it's really exciting to me. In fact, the last few years, I've started developing a little consulting side to my business because in my background, I I was a store manager of a health food store by Dartmouth College. So we got we got a lot of different clientele there. So I've been on the other mm-hmm. side of the counter. I tell people um, when I go in to see customers, you know, I know what it's like for a sales rep mm-hmm. to come in unannounced. Try not to ever do that. I mean, once in a while you make a cold call, um, which is a very, one of your questions mm-hmm. was the hardest part of the business. <laughs> yeah, And that's cold calling when you just walk in cold to a mm-hmm. business and introduce yourself. But I, I really think that, um, you know, helping as far as consulting businesses, stores to get to their optimal potential to bring in clients, customers, and to get the customers to stay mm-hmm. in the store and spend money. That's very exciting to me. And the marketing part, mm-hmm. placing products in the store, where product placement happens, all of that, and then actually yeah. watching people purchase. That's- is <laughs> I, I'm kind of a yeah. geek, geek that way, but I get pretty. No, it's fun that. to see what yeah. are they looking at? How do they traffic the store? What do they, you know, what do they touch? What are they? It's fun. No, and with 26 yeah, plus is. years, you know, I, 
uh, I think your eye is quite sharp. And so uh, some using your services would, would get that wealth of information. So I think it's great that you're, uh, you're sharing that as a consulting aspect along with the rep part. And I know, Jane, that you are, you're not just repping somebody else's, you're running your own business. So, um, so you started to talk about uh, one of the hardest parts of your business. Tell me what you're dealing with as far as challenges these days. I actually haven't told a lot of people about this, but in 2015, uh, I found out that I had Lyme disease, which was a real shocker. I was on the road, you know, I'd be in upstate New Hampshire driving and pretty much two o'clock would hit every day, two o'clock. And I was done, done for the day. I'd have to pull over, you know, almost take a little nap, get coffee, you know, just so I could drive home, you know, had to have coffee to be able to drive home. Um, So I knew, knew something was definitely wrong. So it took me probably a good year between doctors and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what, what was happening. And then I finally got help with an herbalist who I actually met on the road. Yep. Drove by her place. And so that got me on the right track. Um, and that was probably 2016. So the last few years, you know, I felt much better, but it just, you know, when you have a health issue and you own your own business, you can't call in sick to anybody. (laughs) So it's good and it's bad. You know, the good thing is I can take the time that I need. If, if I need to have an office day, I adjust my schedule, but, but it can be done. And, you know, I, I've been doing it for the last few years. I'm very thankful and grateful, actually, that I do have the job I have to do this because it really would have been mm-hmm. tough if I was punching uh, a time clock nine to five. Sometimes I have to bring my work in. <laughs> it goes into the weekend, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, paperwork never ends, but it's all good. You know, I would say to anybody that's listening, if, if you are struggling with a health issue and you do own your own business, find some support. I have a Lyme support group locally and that, and there's so much online now too, that you can read about, you know, whatever you're dealing with. That really has totally helped me. And yoga. (laughs) I I started doing yoga um, Mm -hmm. and I just do it on my own in my living room. I found a girl online. I love her classes. So I just get my computer out in the morning. But you have to find something mm-hmm. to help you with the stress of yeah. that stress on a whole different level. Um, yeah. yeah. But my customers that I've spoken with that have dealt with it have all been wonderful. So um, I think just having a really good support group mm-hmm. will help you get through it. That's great. Well, I'm really sorry, Jane, that you are having to deal with that because certainly, you know, any medical challenge, you know, it's challenging enough to run the business. But I think your advice about a support group, that is how you, you know, how any, anybody going through, you know, whatever medical challenge they have is, is just so essential because that's the personal side. It's not the business side of like, all right, you know, how do I manage my clients and, and, um, getting that in place is great advice for anybody listening. Yeah. So, so tell me about, um, a failure moment and something you may have learned from our our good lessons. (laughs) (laughs) This was a tough, this was a tough, tough question because I'm, I was like, what? What failure? Um, but I, I do remember in the past taking a line on that 
I thought, ooh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't think this is a good fit. But we did it anyway, and it just was a disaster. So I would say, you know, because you do invest a lot of time, you know, learning about the vendor, learning about their products. And if you kind of have that gut feeling in the beginning that, "Mm, I don't think this is quite right, um, you have to really listen to your instinct. And I, that's the biggest takeaway that I have found. Really listen to your instincts because... Yeah, nine times out of 10, I think they're right. It will save you a lot of time. No, I think trusting that intuition, it's like, all right, you know, I'm picking up something that I may not be able to articulate, but, you know, gonna lead me in a direction that Mm -hmm. I, you know, would benefit Mm -hmm. from listening to. Jane, what do you wish somebody had told you before you started? I know it was a long time ago, but anything in as you look back? (laughs) When people get into sales, they can get so gung-ho and there's so many books you can read and and they kind of go off into their spiel, you know. I think the biggest advice would be listen to your customers before you start talking to them. So when I go into a store, I say to them, because I do have a lot of different lines mm-hmm. that they might be interested in, but, you know, if you're just mm-hmm. meeting them, you don't know offhand what they might need. They probably have maybe a need for something like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, I really need a new skincare line in my store or so I always ask first, you know, is there anything specifically you're looking for? And if I don't have it, because I've networked with so many great reps in New England, I can refer them to someone else. This happened last week. Somebody was looking for lighthouse (laughs) puzzles, you know, (laughs) and I didn't have any lighthouse puzzles. So but mm-hmm. I knew who did who did have them. So the reps that I've networked with have been awesome. And we refer to each other, which is just awesome. It didn't mm-hmm. used to be that way in the early 90s. So I have to say, people are more community minded now. And it's, um, it's really a, a great now, thing. That to rising see. tide. Um, what are you most proud of in the yeah. business? I think I'm actually most proud that our oldest uh, child that's um, huge. joined the business. Yeah, there are not many rep groups that have people in their, Mm -hmm. you know, 20s or early 30s. It's almost can be like a dinosaur type of thing. But Kate was out of college and she was selling radio advertising during the recession, like in 2008, 2009. And when that all crashed, um, I said to her, you can sell air, you can sell anything. Well said. (laughs) She was at a crossroads. She did not know what to do. And she's been awesome. She, you know, having that younger enthusiasm um, and her energy has has really helped us. And she's brought in um, a lot of vendors Mm -hmm. that we probably wouldn't have looked at before. And one is a company in Connecticut that has been with us. I think we've wow. been together for 12, 12 years. But Kate really kind of mm-hmm. just happened to meet a rep in a store one day. So that's how we got that. <laughs> you know, you just you just never know. We have so much fun together. And as you know, mm-hmm. we do the New England Made shows together. Mm-hmm. And we, just, we have a blast. Yeah. I know you work with your kids, too. And it's just awesome having a family business and being able to spend time with them. And yeah, we just have a lot of laughs. That's great. It's it's a lot. What has your business taught you? I think I come in contact with so many people 
on a daily basis, whether it's customers or vendors. The biggest thing I've learned is uh -huh. not to judge a book by its cover. We never know mm -hmm. what somebody could be dealing with in their life. And whether it's somebody walking into our booth at a trade show or we're walking into a store meeting an owner for the first time, a, a smile, yeah. a kind word can just go a long way. And I think when I was younger in the business, mm -hmm. I would prejudge people. Oh, I don't think that store owner is going to want mm -hmm. what I have, or I think yeah. my products are yeah. too expensive for that store. Or, you know, you really shouldn't do that because you, and it's taken me a while to learn mm -hmm. that. And I've, I've humbly <laughs> admitted that I really used to do that. And um, yeah. really, I don't do that. And I try not to do that anymore. Um, and my yeah. daughter. Well, it's such an easy habit to, <laughs> to catch yourself because you do have that history behind you of like, all right, this profile tends to do whatever. And hard to remember, everybody is unique. Everybody is not, yeah. you know, identical. So it's an easy easy pattern to get caught up in. Well, let's shift uh, before we close it out on um, on a few other things that you've learned. I know you mentioned earlier about yoga being a healthy habit for you. Uh, is there anything else from a health standpoint on how you recharge or what else has, has kept you in good body and mind space? I would say, honestly, we are really lucky where we live. We're up on the side of a mountain in Vermont, Mount Escutney. And so oh, I have fields and forests behind me. So if I'm having an office day, I try to maybe mid morning, you know, 10, 30, 11, mm -hmm. uh, take my dog out in the field for a walk, you know, yeah. just, it's just so good to clear your mind, you know, from what you've been doing, get some fresh air, get some sunshine and it, then come back and you're, you're fresh. And, and I only, you know, 15, mm -hmm. 20 minute walk. It's not like I'm gone for an hour, but that quick little walk has made a huge difference. So, and our dog, we've only had her maybe a little over a year. So she's our little office mascot. And I think just having a dog again, yeah. it's a big stress reliever, you know? So whatever it is that people have that they can just get out of their office or get out of their workshop for a few minutes. Yes. Um, yeah. I think just the fresh air is great. <laughs> Do you have a book or an app or an online resource that's been particularly helpful or you think other makers would, uh, would find helpful? There's a book that's actually been out for a couple of years. It's called the company of women <gasps> design sponge. Grace Bonnie, and she, she profiles over a hundred women in the book. Um, that are very influential, very creative women. And I just found for me that that was just something very inspiring. And I think sometimes if we're working alone, like if I'm on the road, that can yeah. be very lonely driving on the road for hours. So having something that inspires you and keeps you going, I think is very important. So I, I do recommend that one. And then <laughs> to the party with Instagram, but <laughs> I, I did start that up. Oh, I don't know, a month yeah. or so ago. And in earnest, I had tried to do it years ago, but, but that I'm seeing some nice results for the business and Facebook we've always done, mm -hmm. but I would say definitely some social media. A lot of people say, I just don't have time to do it, but mm -hmm. you know, do it first thing in the morning. And I think that's mm -hmm. a good tip too. The time of day that you post has a huge mm -hmm. uh, influence on how many people see it. 
So I think any time between seven and, and eight thirty in the morning is a great Terrific. time. To do some and um, yeah. and anything else that keeps you inspired or motivated? I would say my three children, <laughs> and and also having <laughs> college tuitions that we're still paying. <laughs> that, that definitely keeps me motivated. But you know, even our our middle daughter is in sales. She's actually oh, out in California. She's in tech sales. So kind of funny to see it all come around again. Yeah. Um, even though she's not in our business, I think she was kind of inspired by she saw what we built all these years, and and so she's she's in sales now. So it's um, it's definitely makes me yeah, feel good. The it's fundamentals are the same. Me. Whether the industry shifts, then. You know, it's still those uh, those basics of, you know, just good client work. Jane, uh, before I close it up, um, do you have any advice for somebody considering repping a product? I would say they really should do their homework. See if there's a lot of competition mm -hmm. in their local area for that product. You know, I mean, there there can be a number of skincare lines or candles, but they really need to do their homework and get out there and see what what's in the local stores and mm -hmm. do some price price comparison too. Cause I think that's one mistake that a lot of artisans can make is mm -hmm. they don't price competitively. So that's, you know, if you, if you're putting all your, this work yeah. into making a product, you want to be able to sell it. So that's a huge tip that I would say is to get mm -hmm. them to do their homework, which I think most people sure. do, but, Sometimes that goes without saying. The more unique the product, the better. Right. Terrific. So thank you, Jane. As we uh, as we close it up, how should listeners get in touch with you if, if they'd like to reach out? Sure. They could certainly email me. It's jane.hughesco at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, Hughes & Company is on Facebook. And we Terrific, are great. And I will link to those in the Instagram. show notes if uh, if anybody wants to jump in as well as your book recommendation. So so thank you so much, Jane, for uh, for spending the time with us. I know right. that there will be a lot of questions answered <laughs> through, through what you shared earlier. And uh, I'm just so <laughs> appreciative of you taking the time with us today. So thank you. My pleasure, Stepa. Thank you so much. Visit artisanswholesale.com for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.